What is going on, everybody? My name is Kyle Springer, and I am joined by Melissa Wilkinson. Hi, Kyle. Howdy. Uh, this is episode seven of the review show, uh, weekly podcast, kind of a book club style thing where we talk about comics or movies or anime, manga, all sorts of stuff. We rate it, we watch it, we come back here, and we talk about it. Uh, this week, though was something you pitched, Melissa, and uh-huh. I was the one that picked it. I I picked this one because I thought it would be the one that I would like the least. Oh! Yeah. Because um, I, I, you you did, uh, there was the anime, I think it's like Agru Ketso or something like that? I don't know how to something like that. pronounce it. Something like yeah, that. Yeah, I don't it's remember rage, how to no. pronounce it. Yeah, I can't pronounce it off the top of my head either, but it is that Netflix anime about the red panda who works in an office and does death metal karaoke. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and I, like, literally the day before, put that on my, like, to watch <laughs> list. So I was like, I know I'm probably gonna really enjoy watching that that one. I still haven't watched it yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but <sighs> it, it was that, and then I don't remember what your third pitch was, but... What we're talking about today is the one I was like, you know what? I I feel the least c- comfortable with that one, so I'm I'm gonna go ahead and pick that one. And it is Joss I'm glad Whedon's. You were brave. Yeah, <laughs> it's uh, it's <laughs> j- 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 Joss Whedon's uh, "Much Ado About Nothing," which mm-hmm. is based off of a Shakespeare play. Yes. Now, you said you were really in the mood for this one, so tell me <laughs> a, a, about it. How how many times have you seen this? How much do you love this movie? Uh, I've seen this once before. I've seen, in the 90s, there was a Kenneth Branagh, like, much more traditional version of Much Ado About Nothing I've seen once or twice. Okay. I read it in college, and I listened to an audio performance of it that I think starred David Tennant and Catherine Tate. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. So it's a story I'm pretty familiar with, and I've been wanting to revisit it. It's like we're right in that edge between spring and summer, and there's that whole springtime in the air, and then we're coming it's up on wedding Shakespeare season. in the park. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we're coming up on Shakespeare in the Park here in St. Louis. It isn't this show. It's Romeo and Juliet, but I've just had it on the brain. And then also... After rewatching the Avengers movies to get ready for Infinity War, I just missed seeing Clark Gregg. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he, yeah, and he's in this, so it was just a line of a couple things. And I did want to throw you something that maybe you weren't as experienced with, and I wanted to see, like, what you thought about this. Sure, yeah. Sh- well, Shakespeare in, ge- in, ge- in general is something that I don't know much about. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't really say I have a like a solid opinion of his works. Be like, <laughs> I don't really like his stuff, or I, I like these ones, I don't like those ones. Because um, a couple weeks ago, uh, Paul and I, when, we, when this podcast was still just called The Whatnots, uh, we mm-hmm. did an episode on... Prince of Cats, which is a comic book, uh, which is basically a retelling of Romeo and Juliet from the perspective of Tybalt. And mm-hmm. it was fascinating. Um, and it was set in like 1980s New-, New York, and they had samurai swords, and it, it was a really, cr- it was crazy. Um, mm-hmm. f- funny enough, about the same time 
I was reading that for the podcast, my roommate had this movie on TV. Oh. Um, she likes to leave movies on for her dogs when she, like, goes out. She's like, it's sound. You know, it makes yeah. them think there's people in the house. It just kind of mm-hmm. puts them at, at, at ease. Um, and I <laughs> came down, I think it was a Saturday, and I came down to... Uh, make some lunch and this movie was on. I had no idea what it was. I was just getting, you know, little bits and pieces and I was like, oh, they're speaking in, like, Shakespearean language. That's interesting. Oh, that's the dude from the Avengers. That's, uh, that's Mm -hmm. Agent Coulson. Huh. Interesting. Um, And I had no idea that this was it. And so I, I started watching it, and we got to the, the scene that I saw, and I was like, oh, I remember this. <laughs> I, I, I kind of know this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I, I liked it. I liked it a lot more than I thought I would. Uh, I still don't think it would be. It's my cup of tea. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I did la- laugh out loud a couple times. Um, yeah, so that it's was funny. Good. It's it, yeah, it's it's an inter, inter, interesting mix of genres. I feel like it is. Yeah, it's just a like a whirlpool of all of this sorts of, of stuff. Because yeah, there are funny moments, but then it's it's kind of about love and betrayal, and so it, it's very serious and dramatic in that sense. Um, but, but with with J- J- Joss Whedon's version in particular, it's kind of this mm-hmm. updated modern like like style. But then they're still speaking in the in the in the Shakespearean like language and and stuff like that. So yeah. it, it, it just it's it's one of those things. It's like this is such an oddball movie, and it's kind of <laughs> cool. Yeah. So, um. I, I asked you to kind of give me an elevator p- p- pitch last week. Can I have you do that again for the people out yeah. there who may not have seen this movie? Yes. Okay, so we were talking about Clark Gregg earlier. He plays Don Leonardo, who is, uh, in the original Shakespeare, he's like some sort of a nobleman. And he has his daughter, Hero, and his niece, Beatrice. They're not both sisters. I was thinking of Taming of the Shrew. <laughs> it's not two daughters. <laughs> it's a daughter and a niece. And he has uh, an old friend of his, Don Pedro, who is a soldier returning from a victory in battle. Don Pedro and his assortment of soldiers, including a man named Benedict, and Don Pedro's surly half-brother, uh, Don John, I think mm-hmm. is his name, They, on their way back from this victory in battle, they go to stay with Don Leonardo at his estate for like a month. And while they're there, one of uh, Don Pedro's soldiers, Claudio, completely falls in love with Hero. They're going to get married in a week. And to pass the time in this week until the wedding, everybody is going to try and get Beatrice and Benedict together because they've known each other for years. They're bickering constantly. They had like a one night stand once and there's so much sexual tension brewing between them and everybody's like let's let's get this together too like love is in the air the magic is happening <laughs> it's real we can do this and then don john who's just a plain dealing villain he says himself he wants to mess things up so he has 
one of his soldiers or one of like the people in in his entourage whose name is Baraccio, I think. He has Baraccio sleep with one of Hero's serving women dressed as Hero, and he takes Claudio and Don Pedro out to the window. Like, they're standing in the yard, and they look up at the window, and they're like, see, look, Hero's being unfaithful to you, because they can't tell it's not her. It's her serving woman dressed as her. So the wedding is called off. And then we get to meet Dogberry, the local constable who's, like, trying to investigate this whole thing. (laughs) (laughs) Who's one of the highlights of the whole thing, really. Dogberry and his little local police force. And eventually, the, you know, the the betrayal is revealed. The wedding is back on. Hero uh, was said to have died of heartbreak. And Don Leonardo is telling Claudio... You were wrong about my daughter. You shamed her. You brought her to death to make up for this. You were going to marry this other niece I have who looks exactly like Hero. And they mm-hmm. take off the veil and it's just it's just Hero. She's like, ha, ah, I wasn't dead. We can get married now. Fooled you. And then along Yeah, and then along the way, like Beatrice and Benedict really do confess their love for each other, and then they get married also at the end, and it ends in a double wedding, and Don John is caught. There you go. That's the the whole thing. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. So if 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 you guys haven't seen it yet, go check it out. Um, it's 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 a lot of fun, and it's a p- pretty quick m- m- movie too. It's not super long, um, so you can go mm-hmm. uh, go go watch that. It's on Hulu. That's where I I found it. Um, oh, nice. Yeah. So I I got to watch it on there. Uh, but yeah, go 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 ch- go check it out. It it helped me to to put subtitles on too. J- just That's to what c- I did too. I know. Yeah. If if I couldn't really understand what they were saying, because it is in that iambic mm-hmm. pendameter, um, old yeah. Shakespearean language. Um, but yeah, go 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 check it out. If however you guys are joining us here live uh, on Twitch, thank you, thank you for joining mm-hmm. in. Uh, come hang out with us. Come talk with us in the chat. This is a live show, so you guys can give mm-hmm. us your thoughts on this as well and jo- jo- join in the conversation. Uh, but if you miss the live show, that is a-okay, because we put this up on YouTube and as a podcast the following week, uh, so you can get it no matter what universe you are in. Mm-hmm. That being said, let's dive in. Yeah, and I do want to say that even if you aren't, like, a Shakespeare person, this is one of Shakespeare's comedies. It's, I feel like the way I just described it may have made it sound complicated, but it's pretty easy to get the gist of it. Even if that intimidates you. Fairly simple. This is is still a good movie. Like, I, I had a friend over to watch it with me who doesn't know anything about Shakespeare, but he's a big... Joss Whedon fan like he's watched through Buffy and Angel and Firefly multiple Mm -hmm. times over and he was able to sort of appreciate it on that level like oh these are these actors I've seen a whole bunch these are these little stylistic notes I've seen a whole bunch it's really neat to see these combined in this whole new context yeah yeah it's always neat when when you see a director work with the same actors in multiple things and then get to see like yeah, both mm-hmm. the the actor like how they can portray, portray all these different roles in these 
different films and stuff like that. Like we mentioned, there's Agent C- C- Coulson from the Avengers in in this. Mm. He's Don Leonardo. Uh, but we also have yeah. Baron Zemo from Captain America Civil War, who's also the bad guy in oh. this. And he, he kind of does the exact same thing in Civil War. So <laughs> he's just like, I'm just going to get everyone else to fight. <laughs> um, yeah, there's plenty of people in this. Nathan Fillion and Sean Marr yep. from Firefly. Um, Amy Acker and Alexis Denisov, who I believe are both on Angel. Even, like, um, the serving woman. Like, Hero's lady-in-waiting who is inadvertently part of what leads to Hero's downfall and then ultimately, again, an uprising. That's the waitress from Avengers. If you remember that bit at the very end where they're talking to, like, all the people in the New York streets and there's that woman with, like, a a nice blouse on and, like, a waitress name tag, she's like, Captain America saved my life. If you remember that woman, which I do because I've seen Avengers, like, 12 times, like, she's in this. I wouldn't have caught that. Yeah, yeah. Joss Whedon was directing Avengers when he was starting to really think about making this movie. Like, he walked around the set with a copy of the script. I was going to say, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He walked around with a copy of, like, the Shakespeare script, like, in his back pocket. Like, he was thinking about this in the background. This was already something he wanted to do. Because he used to have periodic Shakespeare live readings at his house with just... (laughs) you know, cast members of his and other actor friends, and he would cast it himself. He would, like, plan it, like, a month out. Like, okay, I'm getting all of these people, and these are who I want to play these parts. And if you want to go really crazy and do, like, a funny voice with it, or just take whatever angle you want to with this story. And he did Come have in a... Co- in costume, or, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Huh. And he cast, yeah, Alexis Denisoff and Amy Acker in these roles once. And he's like, this is so good. I like, we have to make a movie about this now, right? We need to put this on screen for people to see. Yeah, it it seems like he did this one in between Avengers 2 and uh, Captain America uh, Civil War. Well, he didn't do Civil War. That one was the Russo brothers. Oh, oh, yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, But (laughs) I, 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 I... guess my point is that he did this one and then immediately after that is when uh the Mm -hmm. villain in this went and 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 did baron zemo in Mm -hmm. in civil war there so lots of Mm -hmm. crossovers pretty cool yeah yeah you're gonna see a lot of familiar faces in here definitely um i i know uh god why am i blanking on his name right now uh Christopher Nolan does this a lot too. Where yeah, he uses the same actors over and over. Uh, they're in Batman. They're in Inception. They're you know they're all they're all there. The whole gang. Yeah, I love seeing stuff like that because it reminds me of just high school theater. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I know this one girl is always going to be cast as the young ingenue role in every musical for the four years she is here. And it's like, (laughs) oh, you use this guy in an interesting place. Like, this is always the dad. This is always, like, the wacky neighbor. And just having gone through that experience, like, in high school, I love to see it portrayed, like, on the big screen in Hollywood. Like, yeah, we also have our standard dad. Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's cool. Um, so let's see. Yeah, what did I... I I, I mentioned that I, I liked this more than I thought I 
would. I I was mm-hmm. kind of expecting this to be, um, I I, I mean yeah, it's 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 a romance film. It's kind of a rom com. Um, yes. I was kind of expecting it to lean a little bit more into the romance stuff, mm-hmm. um, rather than it be as kind of lighthearted as it was. Like the mm-hmm. the the couple times that made me actually the first t- t- time that made me really laugh out loud is when they int- introduce Nathan Fillion's character, oh. and he he's like talking because he's like I guess the main like c- 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 cop he's like the the sheriff yes. or the the constable, mm-hmm. and uh, he's he's like well we like we need to go out on. Pat- on patrol who are the best men here you know and they're like well there's these two guys because they can read and write um yeah <laughs> and so they're like well sure we'll 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 take them and he's like you know what you look like a fine young man you get the lantern and he hands him this 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 flashlight and the guy just mm-hmm. looks so happy he's just like yeah oh, i i get to hold the lantern and it made me bust out laughing because he j- mm-hmm. j- doesn't even say a thing, but it's just his ex- his expression. He's <laughs> delighted. He is so happy, and I'm just like, this th- that shouldn't be that funny, but he is. <laughs> it's, it, like it's 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 Nathan Fillion's kind of like like suave. Like he like he, he's he's a funny character without being funny. Mm-hmm. Like he's yes. he's actually playing it straight, but just like knowing him as an actor, it's just like he's mm-hmm. funny. Like what he's doing is actually kind of funny, but then he has these like nitwits like around him, and it's just like this is great. I love it. And and then the was that scene that 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 was the scene that I like first just laughed out loud. But then a scene that I didn't expect is when uh, I'm I'm gonna be terrible with names here. Uh, but the oh, sure. the guy that they're trying to get fall in love with the girl, the two like whippersnappers. Benedict. Yeah, B- B- Benedict. Um, when he yeah. is like he's he d- doesn't yet suspect that he is like being tricked into liking this girl and he's he's eaves he's eavesdropping onto this conversation outside while everyone else is inside like he's looking in the window listening in but as they move from room to room he's sneaking in the back around yeah he's doing a terrible job of it it is so obvious is there and it's so ob- <laughs> obvious that they see him and he's like it's so doing cartoony the, like, yeah it, it's it's like from emperor's new groove when when <laughs> when, when yes. Krunk goes out sneaking and he's like yes yes it's like that <laughs> And it, like he's just he's sneaking around he's he's rolling in into b- b- bushes and falling over and it's just like this is so silly like the yes. like this is not what i would expect from a romantic comedy like i would I- expect it to have actual honest j- j- jokes rather than this guy just being an idiot <laughs> like mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's just like this is this is just light-hearted fun um so I, I I I think those t- 
two scenes really hooked me. I was like, okay, this is good. This is fun. Mm-hmm. What about you? First time you you saw this, what what was the the one that, that what was the the first scene that really made you laugh? Uh, well, I was already familiar with the play the first time I'd seen this. Like, I'd already read it and listened to it and watched the Kenneth Branagh version. But, oh, I think what might have really sold me on the Whedon version of it is, I mean, that's one of Joss Whedon's, like, sort of trademarks is that, like, quick back and forth dialogue. And right. I think he, even though he didn't write any of this, he directs it very well. And, like, the actors he has worked with know how to do that exactly. Yeah, they... Just on point the they, whole time. They credited Whedon with the adaption, like, the, the yes. screenplay adaption. Uh, uh, adaption um so so you, for, for, for you what hold it was just the the, be, 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 the banter that you're used to from yeah from those guys okay cool. yeah it was just a really strong execution of what that originally is in the play and i loved the style he did this in like mm-hmm. for listeners who haven't seen this the movie is uh, it's all the original dialogue, it's set in modern day, and it's entirely in black and white. Yes, which I'm sure we will talk about that in a little mm-hmm. bit here. Um, so let me ask you this then. You've seen multiple versions of this then. How, mm-hmm. how like, what is different about this version compared to the original? Uh... In the Kenneth Branagh version, for instance, which is set, um, it's set in kind of the time period. Well, it's not contemporary. I'll say that it's not in Shakespearean times. It's in like 1800s, you know, this beautiful Italian, uh, you know, villa. And it's a lot closer. It's slightly updated, but it's a lot closer to what Shakespeare originally had. And it does have, it's from you know, classically trained Shakespearean actors. Right. It stars Kenneth Branagh and Emma Thompson, and also Denzel Washington and Keanu Reeves, who play the half-brothers, which is insane. Uh, okay. <laughs> and it's a lot more um, sort of grandiose and boastful, and like they are swashbuckling with their words. Interesting. Like, I mean, if you've seen Thor, which Kenneth Branagh also directed... It feels kind right. of like that, yeah. And this one felt, like, crisper and classier, but also with much, this sort of much more suave, side to it. Yeah. Yes, yes, it's a suave movie. <laughs> Indeed, a very suave movie. Um, <laughs> but, but, but yeah, so, so the, the play, like, the actual original Shakespeare play, do they cut anything out because i i have a feeling this is much more condensed than, than what the the actual play is maybe i'm i wrong, think it but... is a, a a little condensed and i actually i dug into my closet and i pulled out my notebook from the shakespeare class i took in college oh, wow. and i found my original notes about this and then i also went and revisited like a spark notes summary of it to mm-hmm. get prepared and, like, the original play, uh, Beatrice's dad is also there. Like, it's these two brothers and their daughters living in this villa. He has a minor role, but he is there. And okay. I feel like he isn't really necessary. So I'm like, oh, yeah, I didn't even notice he was gone while I was watching this version of it. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
Mm. Yeah, but it's pretty true to the play. Other than that, like, I don't really remember any big differences. Cool. Cool. Um, we mentioned the black and white stuff. I, I want to talk about that. Since yes. this is a movie rather than a play, um, mm-hmm. we, we're, we're kind of shown scenes how Whedon wants us to see them and stuff like that. Um, yes. Why do you think he chose black and white? What do you think that does for this play? Or this m- I, movie? <laughs> uh, uh, me and my friend got this from the library, so we had a DVD of it, and we looked into the special features. And there's some mm-hmm. cool behind-the-scenes, like, more stuff I'll, I can tell you later at the end as, like, a coda to this whole thing. Okay. But we watched this featurette, and he talks about how this has a lot of noir elements to it. Like, he used the black and white because this was such, like, a low-budget production to sort of add this extra production value to it. Like, this extra layer of kind of fun fanciness to it that didn't cost anything. Mm -hmm. But he also wanted to play up the noir elements. Like, this is a story that has crime, it has scandal, it has betrayal, it has investigation. Hmm. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah, it has, like, scorned lovers and all that, which makes sense. And another thing he does to update this is that instead of uh, this being a company of soldiers, they're almost a company of, like, secret agents or something. Like, they all roll up (laughs) out of of a limousine wearing these crisp black and white suits. Yeah. And Don John, who's, like, um, this soldier's... uh, Oh, he's a prince. I don't know if I explained that. He's a soldier prince. And so that makes Don John the sort of illegitimate heir to the throne. Yeah. In this movie, he's got, he's like a celebrity bad boy. And there's like a photographer hanging around taking pictures of him. And there's like a security guard. So they oddly focused guard. on that photographer like more than a couple of t- times. Like, yeah. why are you showing me the photographer here? And that makes no that's sense. something that's... That's something that's talked about in one of these featurettes that Joss Whedon wanted to play up the sense that these guys are, like, even in the original Shakespeare play, they're kind of minor celebrities. And he Mm -hmm. wanted to play up that air of, like, decadence and, like, gossip around the whole thing. And also that was just the actual on-set photographer for this production. And I guess he wanted to, you know, include them in the feature film as well. There you go. So they would be on both sides of the camera. When, when you first watched this, though, before you knew that, what, what did mm-hmm. the, the black and white kind of do for, for you? What, like, what did it make you think? Did, did you like it? Did you not like it? I liked it, and it felt to me like we're going to pare a lot of things down. The star of this is the words. It is the performances. Like, we've got wonderful costumes, wonderful sets, but I I mean, the set is his actual house, I think. But really the star of this is words and performances and let's just take a lot of the visual extra elements out Out of this and you can focus just on those. Like it's a way of- kind of what I was thinking too. Yeah, yeah. It's a way of making the things they want to stand out really stand out because there's less to distract you. Yeah. Yeah, because when we did- Prince of Cats, that was kind of one of my complaints. Like, visually, that comic book looked amazing, and there was bright colors mm-hmm. everywhere, and it was this kind of, like, hip-hop, graffiti-influenced art style. 
and it's it's just visually there's a lot happening and so that mixed mm-hmm. with the iambic pen diameter it's a lot to t- take in um and and so yeah i i think watching this at first i didn't really know what to think I tried to not be like, oh, okay, this is a low-budget mm-hmm. film. It's probably, you know, not all that good. Who knows? We'll see. But, it like, as as it went on, it was like, okay, no, I, I, think, I think they're just c- kind of taking the element of color away so I can focus on something else. Um, yes. And I, I think it helped to simplify it because it is that big hodgepodge of all sorts of stuff, right? The old and the new mixed with this and mixed with that and updated and mm-hmm. modern and old and, you know. Um, oh, hey, dogs are barking in the background. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I, I en- ended up liking it fine. I, I don't think... I, I, I don't think it's really meant to add stuff to it mm-hmm. per se, but now that you mentioned they're like, oh, I want to bring out the noir stuff that makes sense and i I think in that perspective does add to this film because i I didn't view this as a noir film yeah at all um (laughs) and so that to me is an interesting perspective like yeah noir got got its name because they were low budget and they didn't have lights (laughs) that's literally why it's called (laughs) noir um Mm -hmm. And, and so, so, yeah, I, I just thought it was an interesting thing because I think a lot of people, especially before the digital age, black and white was also cheaper. And mm-hmm. that's why a lot of, like, independent films went the b- black and white route because it was like, well, it, it cost less, you know. You know. Uh, it wasn't necessarily an artistic choice. It was just yeah. that was their constraint. Um but I, I think it, it ends up working really well when the betrayal happens. Mm-hmm. Like the, the, whole fu- the whole funeral march scene. That scene was beautiful. And it's kind yes. of foggy that, that, that day, too. So it adds this kind mm-hmm. of, I don't know, like this witchy element to it, if that makes sense. It's almost a little bit more yeah, ma- yeah. magical. Um and yeah, like it's this very serious moment that I, I I think the black and white really adds to in that specific scene. However, I think the rest of it, yeah, it was just like okay, focus on this stuff, focus on what they're saying rather mm-hmm. than you know what this house looks like. Is it pink? Is it yellow? You know, is it, are yeah. do they have festive party lights up for all of their fancy parties? Um. So yeah. I don't know. Um, what did you think of the actual story itself, since it was something you weren't familiar with? It it was a little bit difficult at first to kind of figure out what was happening, mm-hmm. of just who was who, what exactly they were trying to do, um, and why. But I, I, I think it kind of clicked for me kind of around... Um, let's see. I maybe when Nathan Villian first started coming in. I feel mm-hmm. I feel like it was just before that. But then once he kind of came in, then it was like, oh, oh, okay, I think I finally understand where everyone stands 
here and what exactly is well because like they they do the whole like masquerade party and after that is Mm -hmm. when I, i think everything comes together i just didn't know how it would fit yet if if that makes sense because mm-hmm. that's when they're like oh let's get married this weekend and kind of in the next day or two let's have these guys fall in love and i need your help to make that mm-hmm. happen so that i uh, i understood but then I, I just i didn't really know how it would play out and then once they kind of introduced him and there's this cop i was like oh okay now i kind of understand where things are going here it's not just like i i, I think I feel like it's weird to say, but I feel like the inclusion of the cops, of Nathan Fillion's character, really kind of expanded that movie for the better. Yeah. Because if if it was only a family matter, I feel like it would have been too small and too cramped. But then once it kind of opened up there, I think that's where it's like, okay, I I feel like now there's more room to breathe here, if that makes sense. So that's when... That that's when the story kind of made sense to me, um, and I I ended up liking it. I thought it moved very fast, though it's a very very fast paced yes. movie. That might be my only complaint is that it's like well, obviously it's not realistic that anything like this would happen, <laughs> but. Yeah, let's let's suspend our disbelief for a mm-hmm. little while and just have some fun here, um, which is why I was mm-hmm. like, how how long is the actual play? Because I feel like they condensed a whole bunch. Um, uh, you mean like the well, actual running time, or like how much just, time the play takes over? Yeah, yeah, it's it's why I I, I asked you that earlier of like, yeah. did did they chop stuff out or whatnot? Um. I don't think they cut out a lot. Yeah, you mentioned it was pretty mm-hmm. true yeah. to the original, um, but mm-hmm. that's why I I asked you that. I was like, things are moving real fast here. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, because like I, I I was I'm I'm almost wondering if like it would have been better for it to be a longer thing. Like if this was more of a TV show. And mm. they didn't necessarily live together in the same house. You know, they weren't just like, we'll live here for a month, you know, and we'll yeah. figure it out. But, if you know, if, if they're in the same town or the same city, and it is like we're the celebrities of this town and, you know, there's the paparazzi and all of that stuff. If if that kind of take on it where it, t- it takes much longer, would it have made... Like, would would I have fallen in love with these characters a little bit more myself? Um, mm-hmm. Because I think the pacing and that stuff kind of kept me from liking the characters as much as I could have. Yeah. Yeah, and a lot of them are these kind of big... They're stock characters to some sense. Like, to Don degree, Leonardo yeah. is just, like, a dad. Yeah. He is just, like, a nobleman dad. Like, there's not a whole lot that separates him from, like, any Disney king. <laughs> <laughs> so that, yeah, that, that, that's kind of my roundabout answer to your, how did you like the story? <laughs> um, I, yeah, I, I, lo- I liked it, but. Um. I thought it was a really good match for 
the kinds of stories Joss Whedon writes himself. Like, this really is a romantic comedy up until the wedding scene where Claudio, like, completely shames Hero because he thinks she was unfaithful to him, and it gets really dark. Yeah. And it stays a little bit dark through that, like, last act. Well, I don't know if it's the actual last act when you break it down, like, in the theatrics of the play script, but that Mm -hmm. last chunk of the movie after that, except for when Nathan Fillion is around, is a lot darker. And it made me think about how Serenity is, like, a really fun space adventure. And then everything gets very bad. (laughs) It's very high stakes and drama and death. Granted, yeah, kind of by... Well, because Serenity is the sequel or the prequel, I don't remember, to Firefly. It is the sequel. It is the sequel, all right. Yeah, so I was going to say, like, by time we get to Serenity, things are already kind of bad. Like, all all of the the stuff that Firefly was going in that direction anyways, you know? Yeah, and he's written other stories like that. Like, I'm not very experienced with Buffy, but I know it's like, I've seen season one, and it's fun. And then at the end of season one, it's like, Giles, I'm 16 years old. I don't want to die. And the show gets you know, so deadly and other points later on. And then there's like a Dr. Horrible. It's fun. It's a comedy. It's like a weird superhero musical comedy. And then it gets deadly. (laughs) So I thought it was interesting that there is this mirror between the stuff he's actually written. And then this centuries old piece of work that he is adapting, that it kind of follows the structure he would be writing himself. Yeah, yeah, no, that makes sense because I, 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 I think even looking at Avengers too, like mm-hmm. it's blockbuster superhero action film, but it's also very lighthearted yes. too, right? And so this movie, Much Ado About Nothing, is kind of this lighthearted romance, like rom com kind of thing. But like you said, it then kind of veers into this darker crime noir thing at the end where there is this betrayal um you know and the cops have to come and fix everything and by the end yeah it it all works out but it's it's one of those things it's like it kind of has a mix of everything there's comedy there's action there's darker stuff there's romance um which i think is right up his his Alley there. Mm-hmm. So, you are looking at your notes. You, you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was fun to pull out what I had written about this play when I first learned about it as a college English major, like mm-hmm. five years ago. And one of the things I have written down is that the lesson of the play is to pay attention. Interesting. And How so? I think that's true. Like, the whole thing, like, the people around Beatrice and Benedict are talking up and kind of overinflating and lying, like, oh, yes, Beatrice is just completely heartsick over him. Like, they're making a big deal out of it, but that's not false. Yeah. It, all of this stuff wouldn't be working on her unless that was true. And Claudio looks and he sees with his eyes, you know, oh, that looks like... Uh, my 
bride to be. I recognize her general hair, her clothing, the room she stays in. <laughs> yeah. That's her window, and that's not me that she's with because I'm right here looking at it with my eyes. Yeah, like he looks. And he doesn't see, he doesn't, like, really look at Hero, this woman he has fallen in love with, who admittedly he has known for, like, nine days. But yeah. he Let, looks, Let's be honest, they he, got drunk at a party once, they probably made out, and, you know, next yeah. thing next thing you know, they're, in, they're wanting to get married. <laughs> yeah, so he looks and he doesn't see, like, no... If I really knew this woman, I would know that is something she would never do. And the whole title, like, Much Ado About Nothing. Well, first of all, there's the um, sexual innuendo in it. Because if you didn't know, Kyle, and you may not, this might be like an English major thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, Shakespeare is 100% all about the sexual innuendos. Everything is a double entendre, Kyle. Yes. And so Much Ado About <laughs> Nothing refers to the... Uh, as my professor put it, the nothing between a woman's legs, the lady canyon, I guess Interesting. You, you could say. Yes, Interesting. yes. It, yeah, so it's about, like, it's a, a sexual <laughs> pun, but it's also kind of the statement of everybody is making a giant fuss over things. Like, there's Claudio, who looks at this scene, doesn't really investigate further, doesn't really stop and try and think about it and try and understand it. And he's like, this woman shall be no wife of mine. And then you have Beatrice (laughs) and Benedict, who so clearly, like, are a match for each other. And they're so stubborn and they're so ferocious and bickering that it has to take all of these actions of all of these other people around them to put them together. Yeah. Interesting. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I, I, I know Shakespeare is well known for all the sexual innuendo and stuff, but that that, that mm-hmm. that's a new one for me. I did not get that. Um, but yeah, I mean, like <laughs> I like much ado about nothing actually makes me think of Seinfeld, which was a show oh, about yeah. nothing. Um, yeah. And yeah, they just, as the name might suggest, they make a much ado about nothing. You know, there's a whole there's episodes about them just doing stupid stuff, and like uh, the mm-hmm. you know the store down the street doesn't have the g- 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 gum that they like, or you know, it's just just stupid stuff. And in the same sense, I think this movie is it. It's I mean, obviously it was written a long time ago, right? But it's, it, to me, it's kind of this mockery of, like, the celebrity lifestyle of yeah. of, of the paparazzi and the way these, like, uh, like tabloid magazines will c- cover things. Well, they'll just make up these huge stories over the smallest thing. It's like, oh, they got drunk at a party once and now they're getting married you know and, yes and it's like th- that's c- kind of what it made me think of like modern i guess romance if, if that makes sense or like the, mm-hmm. the tabloid version of romance so yeah like you'll go to a party yeah you'll go to the club you'll meet someone you'll know them for nine whole a- a- hours and then it's like, okay, well, what are we now? You know, like, I, <laughs> <laughs> and 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 p- 
people don't communicate too. Like that's that's one of the the things in this movie is that um, Benedict and the the girl that they're setting him up with, they don't really communicate. Mm-hmm. They they do, but in a way that they don't. They're not actually t- talking about what they need to. And yeah. That's kind of what everyone does today on social media and <laughs> in relationships where you, you, no one wants to have certain conversations. Are we exclusive? Are we not? What does this mean? Where, where mm-hmm. are we? What are your in- intentions? You know? Mm-hmm. And I, I, I think this movie is just a big like, see? No one's paying attention. You guys all just <laughs> yes, sat down yes. and talked about it. <laughs> like, you would... This is easy. Easy as pie. Mm-hmm. Come on, guys. Um, in fact, you might learn that these marriages might not last more than a month. Who knows? That, that, mm-hmm. that, that's my next question for, for you. We don't even mm-hmm. get... To to see their lives much after the weddings. Mm-hmm. Do they stay together? What do you think? Ooh. I imagine in the sort of classic Shakespearean frame, you have a lot fewer opportunities to meet other people. <laughs> so I imagine they would stay together just because it's like, where else am I going to meet somebody? The market? And I imagine the two of them are so (laughs) they're so stubborn that they're like, "Well, I agreed to this, and I'm not backing down." Like they'll stay ferociously (laughs) married until the day they die. Interesting. Um, And there is, I did, I did just remember something they did cut out of this movie that is in the original play and is in the Kenneth Branagh version. Which is the scene at the masquerade party, I think, where Don Pedro is talking to Beatrice. And there's this little thing of, well, have we ever considered getting together? Mm-hmm. Like, I think he's, like, playfully flirting with her. And she says something along the lines of, you're too fancy. I would need somebody for everyday wear. Yeah, yeah. It's like, you are too high of stature. In that you're like a prince, you're a soldier, you're this you're high great man of great deeds. <laughs> yeah. And she's like, how would I live an everyday life with you? And I think that is something that Beatrice and Benedict could do. Like, they are on each other's level. Yeah. They have similar temperaments. I could imagine the two of them getting into similar hijinks just throughout domestic life. So... I know that you're also a big fan of Lost, like I am. Yes. Um, yes. And one of the things that I, I, a scene that I kind of went back to when you pitched this, um, mm-hmm. was the the scene I am blanking on characters' names right now. Um, uh, fuck shit. Uh, what's his name? The dude on the island. Widmore. <laughs> there you yes! go. Uh, I was going to say, dude on the island. That doesn't narrow it down. Um, so, <laughs> Widmore and his wife. There's a scene. Oh, oh, yes. I want to uh, say in well, season. Eloise? F- yes. There's a, a scene yeah. I want to say in season five 
Um, and spoilers a little bit if you haven't seen Lost. I will try not to spoil mm-hmm. it because that show is amazing and I will defend it till I die. Um, Same. <laughs> um, but when Jack kind of approaches them about the bomb... And yes. you get this sense that they hate each other. That Woodmore and Eloise hate. They hate each other's guts. And then it's like, that's my wife. And you're just like, oh shit. Yes! And they're like, but you were just like cussing each other out? What's the deal there? And they're just like, that's love. Like, you have to deal with their shit too you know um and i like it's it's kind of one of those like tough love moments for me i i I guess that's how i see Mm -hmm. benedict and uh what's her name um beatrice yeah like they they already know that they hate each other's guts (laughs) but they can Mm -hmm. deal with that they know how to deal with that easily because they approach it the same way and i I i think it's it like it was kind of a similar not necessarily parallel but just like oh it kind of reminds me of that where like yeah they actually love each other but they're yelling at one another you know and getting in fights and stuff Mm -hmm. like that um or as the cliche you know all the they must be married if they're arguing if they're arguing that much yeah um so yeah, like I, 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 I can see them kind of sticking together just out of them being stubborn, as as you mentioned. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I, I think maybe when this was written, it may have been more of a c- cultural thing for them to stay together. Yeah. Too right. Like once you're married, that's kind of it. Like that. Like getting a divorce was very very hard and very unheard of um, i mean it, mm-hmm. it happened right but it you know it's not not something that happened often whereas today mm-hmm. in modern day times it happens most of the time <laughs> <laughs> um and and so i'm i'm kind of wondering if in in a modern take would they really stay together i i, I don't i don't know if they would um, I could see them being, oh, or, or, like, taking a lot of breaks from each other. Both of the marriages, too, right? Because mm-hmm. there's... Oh, yeah, yeah. The, like, there's the, the other one that's kind of been going smooth. They kind of like each other, you know? But that mm-hmm. doesn't necessarily mean it's going to last, especially if they've only known each other for, you know a day and a half. <laughs> um, yeah. So, it, yeah, I mean, I, I obviously we can't review the movie that we didn't get, right? Like, we, we, we mm-hmm. have to t- talk about what we have, but it, it it's, it, it was just kind of interesting for me to think about it in that as- aspect. If, if it is kind of a mockery of celebrity lifestyle and, you know, all these famous people getting together and hooking up and and this and 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 that hey this might not be the end of the story you know this just yeah. might be one 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 gossip tidbit in 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 the tabloid 
Mm-hmm. There you go. Um, Can I tell you some of the other things I learned yes, on the DVD please do. So the featurettes are also all in black and white. Good. <laughs> Alexis Denisoff shows up for his, like, talking head, like, sort of interview dressed like a Shakespearean character with, like, a fake beard and a big poofy hat with a feather out of it and, like, Wonderful. a waistcoat and things like that, and it's not commented on, and it's hysterical. And he's talking and, normally, too, like, in modern... Yeah, yeah, he's, yeah. he's talking the normally, exact opposite. dressed like he just, yeah, stepped off the stage. And they did this really cool thing where the film was going to be playing at South by Southwest, Mm-hmm. And they decided last minute that a bunch of them wanted to go, like Joss Whedon and a lot of the cast members wanted to go and like present it and be there to celebrate it. And it was close enough that they're like, okay, we can't get good airfare. We can't get good lodging anywhere near the festival. What if we rented a giant tour bus and we drove there and we slept and lived on the bus? And so it's all of them on this huge, like, rock star tour bus, and they had it wrapped around the outside. It's uh-huh. like Joss Whedon's Much Ado About Nothing coming to theaters this June. And, yeah, they just lived like that for, like, a couple days traveling from L.A. to Austin and back, and they had an amazing time. And this movie came out, and I guess... I think it was, like, 2013. I think it was the summer after Avengers. Uh And so this is when, like, Vine was new, and they made a bunch of Vines on the bus. Rest in peace, Vine. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) and there's just, it's just this wonderful, like, super fun featurette that's just full of, like, photos of them and a bunch of the Vines they made. It's weird to see a Vine in black and white. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure, yeah. So I I really love how much behind the scenes story there was leading up to and then following this movie. Yeah. So it is available on Hulu, but I do recommend like check your local library; they probably have it. Yeah, give these featurettes a try. They they add a lot of interesting stuff to the experience. DVD commentaries are always interesting. I didn't have time to watch them, but this DVD had one with just Joss and one with Joss and some of the cast. Okay, cool. Mm -hmm. Good stuff. Good stuff. Last question for you before we move on to pitching what we'll do for next week. Um, Yes. What was the strangest scene to you? Because at the start, we mentioned that this is, it's kind of an oddball movie, and there are just some yeah. weird things that happen in in this film, or it's it's normal things presented in an odd manner. So what what was the 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 strangest, most odd scene for you? This was strange in a way I absolutely loved. Like this might have been my favorite bit in the whole movie. It's when Don John and, like, two of the people in his entourage, it's Baraccio and it's Conrad, who's uh, Ricky Lindholm's character, they go up to tell Claudio, like, hey, seems like maybe your bride-to-be isn't totally loyal. Uh-huh. And the context in which this scene happens in the film is that it's the night after this, like, huge masquerade ball, and there, it's Claudio in the pool wearing a snorkel. Yes. Like, wearing like a mask. And he's also like drinking a martini. And the it's shot like 
at eye level to him like the camera has set yes, like directly like on the so rim of the weird. in-ground pool yeah and then they just don't, i don't think they swim up towards him they just pop up from the water yes. these three heads that like was the hey, weirdest Claudio. thing in the whole movie <laughs> I, I loved it so i yeah like i knowing Shakespeare is kind of about the sexual innuendo and stuff like that. He's in a pool mm-hmm. at a party, or after one. I was kind of wondering mm-hmm. if there was a, a lady friend underneath the water. <laughs> Jones yep. and stuff. Yeah, I get that. And that was not the case. But it's this really slow crawl as it zooms in on his face. And he's just standing there with this snorkel mask on and the breathing tube in. And he has his martini, and I'm just like, what are they doing? <laughs> like it's 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 just one of those things that lingers a little bit too long on this like yeah. slow like zoom in on his face. And then yeah, three characters just pop up straight <laughs> from from the water and just completely normal like straight bait like not like ah i just got done with a lap but like those like action like navy seal movies where they just like slowly Uh come up out of the water and they're 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 like sneaking there but they just like stand up and that's it Mm -hmm. and they're like we're moving on to phase two of the of the plan (laughs) just like (laughs) it's it's such a strange moment Mm mm-hmm it, yeah, that that by far was the weirdest scene in that whole movie. It's delightful. I'm giggling so much just thinking about it. Like, what a combination of choices to make. The, that's also the movie poster, too. Like, one yeah, of the main movie posters is him in this snorkel, in the water, with his martini. And it's much ado about nothing. And it's just like, what? How... how <laughs> That, okay. Uh, mm-hmm. like, I mean, you you would think at least, you know, like, the Guardians of the G- Galaxy movie p- p- poster has, like, stars and planets and aliens and, like, mm-hmm. okay, I get it's going to be a sci-fi film, action-adventure. This is a guy in a snorkel mask. What is this movie <laughs> about? If, if, if you had it's... only seen that p- poster, you wouldn't know a thing about the film, you know? You, yeah, it's, it's it. You just strange. know that it's not your elderly professor's Shakespeare. Yeah, it's not your mom's Shakespeare for sure. Um, yeah, so that is that. Uh, last words on this film. Last recommendations or thoughts or whatever. It's it's really fun. Like if you're curious about Shakespeare. Like, maybe if you're, you've never really studied him and you kind of want to see what it's about, this is a really good one to start with. Especially it is a if, comedy. Yeah. Is, I, I was just going to say, is, 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 especially if you don't like the stylings of older, like, Shakespeare stuff. Yeah. It's like, I don't know, that might be a bit of a turnoff, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, if you don't want to watch, like doublets and pantaloons but like the Baz Luhrmann Romeo and Juliet is too much for you like it's too much like flash and gloss this is right in the middle like this is a very solid introduction yeah like like we said it's a much more suave version Mm -hmm. um so that that's that I I recommend it as as someone who is this is not really my cup of tea I I had a lot more fun with it than I expected 
Um, I feel like it's a good family film too, for the most part. Like I, there's not really yeah. any violence. There's not. There's a little bit of cuss words here and there, but the language is not like it's not overwhelming. Um, yeah, like I, I, I think it's a good, good film to go check out, especially right here at the start of the summer, um, or like spring, yes. summertime. Um, it's good, good to check out. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. Let's let's get on to pitching what we are going to do for this next week. Um, uh huh. It's my turn to pitch. I have a c- couple things. I'm gonna have to look two of them up uh, so that I can get the like stories of what they're about. Uh, I have two comic books and a manga. Um, okay. For for us to decide on this week, the first one is from uh, a publisher called Valiant. We haven't done any comic books on this show ever uh, f- from Valiant. Uh, so the one I yeah. wanted to do is Exo Manowar, uh, volumes one through three. You are looking like you recognize this, or you've heard something about, I'm about just- it. Boggled. Can you like type that out? What that title is for me? Because yes. like, how do those words and letters even fit together? Exo Manowar, capital X, capital O, space M A N A W A R. So is this like um, a stingray is signing off a cute letter to you? <laughs> um, no, <laughs> far f- from it. Um, so what's neat about the Valiant universe is they are a publisher of comic books that focuses on superheroes, uh, which mm-hmm. when you're talking about superhero comics, most people really only know about Marvel and DC. And anyone else who kind of tries to do it doesn't really go too far or it's just not very good, you know. Um, but this is Valiant's bread and butter they have their own universe too but they don't publish as many books so if you want to read the entire universe you can buy all of their books each month and you might get uh, i i, I want to say they have closer to like only 10 titles um i'm not okay. i'm not sure if that's exactly right but you know it's, it's much smaller it's much more manageable and you can read the entire universe or you can read a certain character and you know you'll be totally fine uh so exo man of war is a similar story to a mix between iron man and thor if thor had okay. iron man's armor that's kind of what it would be um this guy i want to say this like visigoth guy it might even be older than that uh from from ancient medieval times gets kidnapped by aliens that come down to earth and he is enslaved uh and you know his his people are enslaved but these aliens they're kind of religious prophecies tell of this warrior that will put on this suit of armor and you know be 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 their 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 champion or you know something like that and so this this main character this visigoth dude who's been captured breaks free 
and he's he's been their slave for a couple years now and he finds this thing that they're worshiping and it accepts him as the wearer of the like armor um, and so he gets these like special powers and stuff like that but by the time he gets back to earth it's modern day times so he's like you know he's still speaking in the like these and thous <laughs> and you know um, yeah. But he 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 uh, he's like what like this is Rome this isn't Rome you know like all, um, so he's he's a bit lost he's a bit kind of out of time like Captain America is uh, but he's in this like special suit and he also kind of deals with uh, aliens and like intergalactic threats like Thor might so it's it's kind of cool so that's uh, that's Exo Man of War. And I wanted to pitch the first three volumes of that. The other two, I kind of got to uh, look up uh, mm-hmm. to get the to get the synopsis here. So, um, my second pitch is a comic book by Terry Moore entitled "Strangers in Paradise," and uh, I have heard nothing but great things about this book. Um, it is much longer than the two volumes that I want to pitch, um, mm-hmm. but it is, according to Wikipedia, essentially the story of a love triangle between two women and one man. It's a slice-of-life dramedy that veers into the crime genre. Um, yeah, I'm going to leave it at that. So okay. I don't. So I don't read into the the plot section on Wikipedia there and spoil something. Um, yeah, I've 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 read something else from Terry Moore. His artwork is fantastic. He self publishes it all. Um, he he does the artwork. He writes it all, and it's it's just kind of phenomenal at the quality that he he puts it out as. Um, his artwork is this interesting mix of stuff that is like highly ac- accurate, but has this very nice, simplified, like illustrative quality to it. Uh, and all of his books are in black and white, as well. So he does not okay. color them. Um, okay. So yeah, kind of slice of life dramedy that veers into the crime. I, I wanted to read the first two volumes of that. And that is pitch number two. Let's see if I can pull up the synopsis for uh, this third pitch here, which is, which is a manga. Um, I've actually technically seen the anime version of this, but I wasn't paying att- attention, so I have no idea what it's about. <laughs> uh, it, w- it was just one of those things that I like on in the background while I did something else and then by the time I looked yeah. up it was like it's episode 8 it's like oh I have no idea what's happening um, mm-hmm. this one is c- called uh, Capellian uh, it's spelled C-O-P-P-E-L-I-O-N and the story follows three high school girls who were genetically engineered to be impervious to radioactivity and they are sent to Tokyo after the city was contaminated by a nuclear accident. Uh, the anime adaption, blah, blah, blah. 
2016, a catastrophe occurs after a nuclear meltdown from the nearby, uh, I don't know how to pronounce that, power plant, uh, which contaminates Tokyo, forcing the government to order its citizens to evacuate. 20 years later, Tokyo has become a ghost town due to the high levels of radiation. Uh, when a distress signal is received in Tokyo, the Japan Ground uh, Self-Defense Force dispatches three teenage g girls from uh, the Dispatch 3 Special Force Capellian to compromise... No, to who... Bleh, I cannot read. Who comprise the healthcare team. There you go. So okay. they're, they're sent in to go find survivors. Um, and I wanted to read the first three volumes of that. Okay. So there you go. Pitch number one, Exo Man of War. Superhero comics, kind of like a mix between Iron Man and Thor. Pitch number two, Strangers in Paradise, which is slice-of-life dramedy, or drama, that kind of goes into the crime genre as well. And then Capellian, which is kind of a post-apocalyptic sci-fi story about genetically mm -hmm. altered high school girls. <laughs> what are you in the, in the mood for this week? I definitely want to go with Strangers in Paradise. I am so intrigued by that concept. Yeah, slice of life, you know, romantic, triangle, dramedy, crime... How crime fits into this, I am so interested to figure out how that goes down. So I really want to do that one. There you go. Um, so that is what we will be talking about next week then. These, actually all three of these are on Comixology Unlimited. Uh, so if nice. you guys have that, you guys can go read them. Um, and... Yeah, if you guys were here on the live chat with us, uh, thank you guys for jo joining in. I saw a couple of you popped in. Um, yeah, thank you guys for jo joining us. This will be up uh, on YouTube and as a podcast the following week if you missed the live stream. If you liked what we did here, though, go to patreon.com slash the whatnots, and you guys can throw us a buck and get all of our episodes early and uh, you guys can enjoy that stuff. I'm sure we'll have more and better rewards coming down the road once we get our webs website up and running, which we are working on as this is out, as you guys are listening to this now. Um, so yeah, if you like what we do, uh, please support us, because that would, that would help us out a ton. We would love your guys' support. Uh, the more you guys give, the more we can give back. And uh, if, if you guys do not feel like giving monetarily, that is a-okay. Just en enjoy the, the show, have some fun, and tell a friend. Go hit all the buttons that you need to on the proper social media channels, because that helps us out a bunch, too. Melissa, where can they find you? On, on the interwebs. I can be found... On the interwebs, I can be found on Twitter at WilkyWit, W-I-L-K-Y-W-I-T, and I am a cast member on the live play RPG podcast, The Lost Library, on the Grayscale campaign, and just this past week they released the first episode where I am actually playing, not like 
talking about character creation. Oh, so sweet. That, yeah, that was an exciting first for me, so you can go listen to that. Awesome. Uh, and you can uh, find me pers- personally at Hush315. Uh, and then if you want to get updates for the show, you can follow all of us at the Whatnots on Twitter as well. Thank you guys for listening. Next week is going to be Strangers and Paradise Volumes 1 and 2, so go read that and play along at home. We will see you next time. Bye. Bye. <laughs>